This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It goes without saying that the U.S. Postal Service is an important tool for any business reaching every household every single day. Now, Stamps.com is the easiest way to access all the amazing services of the post office. You see, Stamps.com never closes. You can print postage for letters or packages at your convenience 24-7. Mail everything from postcards to envelopes to packages, domestic or international. And create your Stamps.com account in minutes online with no equipment to lease and no long-term commitments. Click, print, mail, and you are done. I use Stamps.com because it is so easy and because of the convenience. And right now, you too can enjoy the Stamps.com service with a special offer, which includes a four-week trial plus postage and a digital scale. Go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in Rome. I love this service. You will too. Try it now. Stamps.com, enter Rome. That's Stamps.com, enter Rome. I mean, look at every romantic movie there is. It's like, oh, he was unhappy, he was discontent, and then he found the amazing girl and she solved all the problems and now he's happy. That's not reality. Reality is you have to learn to choose happiness first and then you can enjoy those things. Because if you're not happy before you have all those things, you're not going to be happy after. Welcome to the Jim Rome Podcast. You are listening to episode 27. And my guest is two-time Olympic gold medalist, David Wise. David won the first gold medal ever awarded in free ski halfpipe at the Sochi Games back in 2014. He then chased that in dramatic fashion, going back to back. But it's not so much that he ripped another gold, but rather how he did it. Going legend on his third and final attempt, landing double corks in all four directions to post a 97.2 and repeat as Olympic champion. But as brass as that performance was, David Wise is so much more than just a great Olympian and a gold medalist. He's a husband and a father and a brother to an amazing sister. He has already lived an incredible life in just 27 years, and we are going to get into it and talk all about it. EP27 gets spinning right after this word from my pals at Lumber Liquidators. It is a new year and we all want to elevate our game to that very next level and make 2018 the best year ever. Well, if you're a contractor or a builder or a remodeler, listen up because elevating your game this year just got a whole lot easier thanks to my friends at Lumber Liquidators and their new LL Pro Plus program. LL Pro Plus is Lumber Liquidators' new pro services team that you can call on for all your professional flooring needs. LL Pro Plus will help you absolutely destroy this year with professional pricing and dedicated support to get you what you need when you need it so you can get all your projects finished on time. LL Pro Plus gives you the ultimate value and quality and with LL Pro Plus, no job is too large, no job is too small. So put the flooring experts on your team 
right now. Visit your local Lumber Liquidator store or simply go to LumberLiquidators.com. That's LumberLiquidators.com. Make 2018 the best year ever with Lumber Liquidators. Another week, another tape of voicemails, except this batch has got the potential to be a little bit different. And by different, I mean good. Because this batch has got some recognizable names on it. Now, I'm not saying that you need to be known in the jungle, my radio program, to leave a good voicemail. But I'm hoping that it breathes some life into this machine. I'm hoping it gets everybody else to step their game up. Remember, this is the place for you to talk about anything, anytime. So drop this number into your phone, 949-385-0447, 949-385-0447. It's your take line, your impression line, hell, your drunk dial line. It's all of that, and it is open 24-7. If you love this thing, keep it around by making it better. Do your part. Remember... Nothing is forever, especially this thing. 949-385-0447. Now, let's check the tape. You have 12 new messages. First new message. Jim Rome. Hey, it's 12 Friday night. You need to come on. Message deleted. Next message. Hey, Jim. This is uh, Josh in Denver. I'm really pissed that Josh in Detroit is ruining my name. He's a moron. He ruins the show every single time he calls. Change your name, dude. Don't go by Josh anymore. Nobody wants you to have that name. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Message deleted. Next message. Rome, what's up? It's RTN. Did you see Mark and Pau Gasol collided in a game last night injuring Pau? I hope he's okay, man. That was the worst result I've seen from two brothers getting together since Eric and Lyle Menendez doubled up. Message deleted. Next message. Holy shit, Jim Rome. This is Bill up in Oregon, and I just got through listening to the Jim Rome rap. I've been a loyal listener for over 20 years. Man, I wish you had dropped that when it came out. That was the most epic thing I've heard in the jungle in a long, long time. That Jim Rome rap is now your new bumper music from here on out. Peace. Later. Have a good day. Message saved. Next message. Rome, Russ from South Carolina. I just heard the rap song for the first time this morning because I couldn't catch it yesterday. That is off the hook. Everything in that song I can remember and relate to with your show because I've been listening that long. That is unbelievable. You might as well just give the five grand from this year's smack off directly to the guys that made that song. Game, set, match. I'm out. Message saved. Next message. Jim, unlike all those low-rent, low-IQ clones, I won't be watching the OJ interview on Sunday. That's because I can't stand the motherfucker. The only OJ-related story I'll ever tune into is the newscast reporting that old man Goldman exacted the ultimate revenge and took off OJ's dome with one clean swing of the axe. DM me Freddy and we'll come up with a plan. At Rick in Buffalo. If a dumb shit like OJ can get away with murder, then so can we. And if not, we'll go out legends. A win-win proposition. Thanks, Jim. I'm out. Message saved. Next message. <laughs> yeah, bros, what's up? Right, silk on the voicemail. Can you believe it? Uh, some logistics. I'm not going to be able to start my student teaching until a later date, but I am substitute teaching. So instead of only being at the 
my alma mater, the mighty Huntington Beach High School. I'm in the whole district fast. So you can find me at Edison. You can find me at Fountain Valley. You can find me at Ocean View, Westminster. I'm everywhere. I'm monitoring the show. The Rex and the ABQ is on the rise. Lady clones are still warring. Dan Lesk is still, you know, whatever he does. Alvy, obviously, superstar now. Uh, even Austin Huff at the Oscars, crazy breath. So clones, things are going well. Being a substitute is tough, but it's rewarding. I'm down with the kids. Youth of today. Talk to you guys later. Message saved. Next message. Hello, Jim. I was hoping that you would have picked up the phone. I just wanted you to know that I think that you are incredibly sexy. Subsequently, I have lost my teddy bear. By chance, can I sleep with you tonight? War Lady Clones and War the Podcast. Message deleted. Next message. What's up, Rome? This is Vinny outside of Knoxville, man. Man, when I saw you tweet that the Squad Brothers going to be on the next episode, man, my excitement level was through the roof. And for any of us who still have our dads with us, the dose of perspective that you guys gave us talking about your late fathers is something that we all need to think about. And we got to cherish every moment and not take it for granted. Keep up the good work, man. Peace. Message saved. Next message. Unwar Parody Larry. This is Darren and Kina. I'm out. Message deleted. Next message. Hello, Jim. This is Vlad in Moscow. I wanted to uh, congratulate you and this Brian Vogel on winning uh, Icarus uh, Oscar. In uh, recognition, I'd like to invite you and Brian um, to come to Russia. Unfortunately, only can do one-way trip for you. Message deleted. Next message. Hi there. This is Andy from Rockland, and I was just listening to your show. I just made the best banana bread. And it's really easy. I wish you were here to taste it. Um, okay. The other thing I was going to talk to you about was um, the Giants. I think they're going to be good this year. But let's get back to my banana bread. It's really good. And you could actually use it in the uh, morning, noon, at night. I probably sound like an idiot. I just want to tell you, I made banana bread. Very tasty, just like you. I love your show. Okay, bye. Message saved. You have no more messages. So that was pretty amazing. Three guys with golden tickets dropping into the voicemails. The bra breaking down his teaching days in the OC. RTN leaving a completely tired and lame Menendez Brothers reset. And Rick in Buffalo, did you honestly just invite Fred Goldman to lop Orenthal's dome off with you? My man, I know I said rules do not apply to the voicemail, but some rules always apply. Those rules would definitely cover murdering OJ. Wood, brother, you know I appreciate you chasing me down for the scope. And those of you who love the Jim Rome rap, I did as well. And I would have played it 19 years ago if I heard it back then. Vinny in Knoxville, thank you for adding a dose of perspective to the Sklar Brothers episode. And Josh in Denver, good luck shaking Josh in Detroit. This guy's like the freaking herp. There is no cure. Listen, now that I'm on radio, TV, and satellite, you can see and hear me. For everybody who watches me on the CBS Sports Network and everybody listening, pay attention. Saying something sucks, still not a take. Having said that, snoring sucks. In fact, snoring is the worst. You know what's even worse than the worst? 
snoring and not doing a damn thing about it. If you're listening, pull over, park, get a Zipa. You've got nothing to lose except that horrible habit of snoring. Everything on Zipa.com is guaranteed or you get your money back. It's a win-win. Zipa has hundreds of five-star customer reviews. And check out the link on Zipa.com to a story on snoring devices from a major news network and see how well Zipa worked. Go to ZYPPAH.com. That's Zipa.com. Zipa is happy Z spelled backwards. Do it for yourself. Do it for the person sleeping next to you. Do it for all of humanity. Why won't you let me help you? Get a Zipa. Stop snoring. Go to Zipa.com. That's Zipa.com. It's not every day that you pull a guy out of an Olympic half pipe and right into my studio. A cat who went legend and got back to the top of the medal stand and did it after a year from hell. But somehow, David Wise managed to come out the other side and never lose his amazing positivity and perspective in life. So if you're keeping track, here is a quick sampling of the Jim Rome podcast. Hollywood A-listers like Brian Koppelman, Brian Fogle, and Keegan-Michael Key. Legendary quarterbacks like Kurt Warner and Aaron Rodgers. And now you throw a couple of golds around the pod's neck as well, because my conversation with David Wise is coming to you right now. Go through enough airport security stations and have them tap, take the gold medals out and everybody. Uh, for me, what really made it real was was bringing it home, sharing it with my family and friends, uh, the people, the, the locals, you know, the people who have supported me uh, for the longest and in the most intimate way, like just always being there for me, being able to really share it with them. That kind of that kind of made it real for me. And I feel like you're sharing it with everybody. I mean, you even came in here with both these medals and you have absolutely no problem with anybody kind of breaking them out, seeing what they feel like, seeing what they look like. You said, I can go ahead and wear it if you want. I mean, clearly this is something you're sharing with everybody and not just the locals, and not just your family. Yeah. I mean, I could be stingy, but the, re- but the reality is I, I can't take credit for these, you know, like, um, more than half the journey has been other people supporting me. If I, if nobody ever supported me, there's no chance I ever would have made it here. So, uh, for, I feel like it's part partly my responsibility and, and I want people to be excited about it. You know, I don't, I don't want to be the guy that everybody's like, Oh man, was cool to see him. I sure wish he would have let me touch his gold medal. I want to be the guy that people are like, wow, man, he let me touch his gold medal. Maybe I could do that someday, especially when, when I'm talking about, when I'm talking to kids or, um, interacting with young people who, who have their future ahead of them. I'm always like, Hey, look, look what I've done. I'm, I'm no more talented than you are. I'm no better looking than you were. Um, you can do anything like anything. You know, it's there's that that whole thing about, listen, I, I can do this. I can hold this up. And if you do the types of things that I do, this too is possible for you. But, man, it's the way it went down. I mean, it's the way it went down. Let's talk about this for a minute. You're killing the first run. I mean, killing it. It's setting up like your best run ever. Then what happened? Yeah, it really was. It truly was. Um, you know, putting that whole run together was a challenge in and of itself. And I had a really good practice. I landed. I, ha- I hadn't landed all four of the double corks in the same run, but I had put them all in in various practice runs. So I was confident. I knew I was gonna. I knew. I knew it was a good day. And uh, yeah, my first run, I landed that switch right double cork, which is the first trick in my run, better than I've ever landed it in my life. And I was going higher than I've ever gone on it in my life. And uh, you know, kind of on my style trick my right 10, I just, you know, grabbed, grab, held the grab as long as I could. And I was just like really enjoying it. All of a sudden my ski came off and I was, I was piled up in the transition. And I was like, 
I was I was honestly taken back. Like I was like, hold on, that's not how this run was supposed <laughs> to go. Doesn't happen to me. That doesn't happen. Like this isn't this isn't real life. You know, I was truly surprised, and I was even more surprised. Uh, the second run, because, you know, everybody has one here and there. And, and once in a while you walk out of a binding, it just happens in half pipe skiing. Cause, cause, uh, the tolerances are so high for how much pressure we're putting on, on our equipment. Uh, so it was kind of, it was kind of, kind of normal, almost normal to have one, but to have two different sets of skis fail on two different runs was just like, I was like, are you kidding me? I said that to myself as I'm watching on my second round, watching my ski just kind of go floating away from me. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? Like, is this real life? And, uh, you know, I feel like that's just the way it was written. It was, it was supposed to be intense. It was supposed to be, uh, one of those all or nothing moments. Cause sure. If I had landed my first run, I would have been sitting comfortably on the podium and that would have made things a lot easier for me to just cruise and enjoy it. But, um, there's something about those, those, playbook moments when it's got it's all or nothing i mean it's it's all or nothing we'll set that up in a minute but just for one second on that second run i mean yeah it can happen once yes it'll happen once but let's be very clear about this it doesn't happen twice it doesn't happen when you spend literally your entire (laughs) life preparing so that sort of thing doesn't happen and then it happens on the biggest stage on the biggest day Right. Yeah. It was, it was, it felt to me, it felt so faded. It, it, you just can't ignore the signs sometimes right. where it was literally like, like you said, I mean, I've been working, I've, I've been known for equipment issues. I've broken more skis and more bindings and more pieces of equipment than anybody else in the game. So it's not surprising that it happens to me once, but at the same time, we've been working all season long, my ski tech and I to have all that crap ironed out <laughs> before we get to the Olympic games. So it's like, it, yeah, it doesn't. First of all, it doesn't even happen to me that you walk out of a ski twice in 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 the same day, and that that never happens. And then it certainly never happens that you walk out of a ski twice in your competition. Well, these weren't practice runs; they were competition runs at the Olympic Games, and it just felt it seriously felt like fate. I was like, "Wow, all right." And you know, I, I'm a spiritual person, and I really believe that things happen for a reason. So my my response to God in that situation was like, "Hey." If you don't want me to succeed, I guess I won't, you know, like I'm not here to, I'm not here to seek my own glory. I'm here to, to glorify God with what I do. I feel like skiing's my, my act of worship. It's my way of, uh, it's my way of creating. We, we, I feel, I believe we were created by, by a being who wants to, wants us to go out there and create new things. So, um, I was just like, all right, I guess that's not, that's not the way you wanted, you, you wanted this to go these first two runs, but I still had like a feeling just, just in my core that I was like, but but that's not what I'm here to do. I'm not here to land. I'm not here to crash on three runs. I still have this run, and I've I've been thinking, dreaming this up for a really long time. And now you know I still have one more chance. It's a best of format. That's the best thing about my my event is uh, the difference between uh, glory and destruction is really is one run. It's an amazing thing to say. I mean, for you to get to that point, I mean, to get that kind of clarity, and obviously your faith is so strong and it had something to do with it, but still, man, you got to execute. I mean, this is literally, <laughs> I mean, everything, you still have to go out for, for four years, all that work, everything, every thought, every work, every piece of work, all comes down to one run, one last run. Sure, you have the format and you have another opportunity, but what's it like to have everything, all the years come down to that one last run? Oh, man, it's... it. It could have been the, the absolute easiest situation to crumble in of my existence, right? Like many and, have, bro. 
Yeah, and and I have too. I, I, you know, one of my favorite quotes is from Michael Jordan, where he talks about succeeding because he's failed so many times. And I feel like that's kind of my journey too. Is I've I've been in the I've been in the clutch situation so many times. Oh, he crashed on his first two runs. Maybe he can get it on this third one, and I didn't. And um, so I've I've learned more and more. I'm not going to say that that the next time I have the the game winning shot, if you will, I'm going to succeed, but. Um, I kind of realized the more pressure you put on yourself in those situations, the less likely you are to succeed. So it's kind of a, you kind of have to embrace it. You can't pretend that you're not in a, in a high pressure situation. At least I can't. Uh, I know some guys, they can turn their music way up and they can just be like, I'm not in this. I'm not like they can force themselves to believe that they're not in the situation that they're sure. They're just, it's just another run through the half pipe. I'm not here. I'm, there's the world's not watching. For me, I, I, my philosophy is a little bit more of like embracing it. Like, yeah, this is intense. Yeah, this is this is like this is as clutch as it gets. But at the same time, all the work is done. You know, mm-hmm. I've every every I can't go back. I can't I can't live in the past and regret not having done an extra practice run or done that extra session at the gym getting strong. All of that stuff is in the background and I know that I did everything I could in those situations. So I'm as prepared as I possibly can be. Um, my, my ski tech, we crank the bindings all the way up as high as they go, which is dangerous. You know, it's, it's taking a risk. If I was to crash with my bindings that high, I could torque a knee or break a leg. Right. So, but I knew, but at the same time on that day, it felt like the right thing to do. It was like, no, these, these, damn if things not are, then, are then not, when, right. They're not coming off my feet. Like I want my skis to, I want my feet to fall off before my skis come off. Cause I, I need to land this run. I want to land this run. So I just kind of had that confidence of like all the work is done and whatever happens happens, but, um, I can't succeed if I don't go out there and give it everything I have. So it's exactly what you did. Now it's the obvious question, but how about that second one comparing to the first one? How does the second compare to the first? Because obviously they're very different. Yeah. Um, they're, they're, they're both, I feel like they're two highlights of my life. They're two, uh, almost like, uh, just banners for, for things, for, for eras of my life. They're, they're both kind of like capped off with these gold medals. Uh, but what's cooler about this second one is that I really feel like, uh, the sport won as well. You know, I wasn't just me winning. It was actually the sport putting on a really good show. And we got to show the world, hey, this is what free skiing half pipe is all about. Everybody was going big. I mean, Alex's runs were the best. I mean, aside from mine, what, wh- whoever wants to judge it, aside from mine, his runs were the best runs that had ever, had ever been done. Mm. And so to have that, both of those, both of the best skiing that's ever been done on game day at the Olympics is like unheard of, you know? Um, so I really feel like, we all won and you know plus i was i I was on the back end of some really really challenging times personally and uh so to get through all that with my wife and my family and um have all those people there supporting me just made it so so meaningful sochi was meaningful for sure it was i mean that was that was a journey in and of itself and uh it was an epic journey just to get the sport into the into half sure get half pipe into the olympics uh so sochi was awesome but the conditions were marginal. We didn't get to really uh, put on a performance the way that we wanted to. So that was lacking. Uh, and then this time around, I had my two kids down there cheering me on. So I mean, you you really can't you really can't 
I couldn't do it any better. I couldn't write it any better because no. uh, my daughter didn't get to go to Sochi, but she she was there. My son was there. It was it was amazing. And you'll always have that. You'll always have that. They'll always have that. Kids change everything. You talked about your personal journey, and I think that some people listening right now know it, but obviously some people listening don't know this. You and I spoke for the first time four years ago when you won gold, but you and your wife, Alexandra, and your entire family have been through so much since then. For those who don't know, in 2015, your sister Christy was paddleboarding and she was hit by a boat, which then fled the scene. Her twin Jessica sent out a group text saying that Christy could possibly lose her leg, maybe even pass away. I mean, this literally is all of our worst nightmare, right? Having a loved one experience something that horrific. What's it like to get a text like that? And then what was it like in the immediate aftermath? Yeah, it was... uh certainly one of those situations that that we all we all hope and pray not to be in um and but but it's not it wasn't the first time we've been through hard times as a family and it wasn't the first time that they've leaned on me and said hey we really need you to pray for us right now we really need your support um and yeah the 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 for, i mean my first reaction was just to fall down on my knees and say God, if you can keep my sister around, I, that's all I, that's all I, that was the, my original reaction was just like, I hope she's, I hope she survives because, um, I didn't know anything. I, I, I knew almost nothing. And Jess, who even was sending out the text knew, knew almost nothing too. So, um, there was a long period of time where we we're just like, we don't really know what's going on. And, um, there's nothing that you can do. You're powerless. Um, and then the the immediate aftermath was, I mean, the first thing we hear is, okay, she's going to live. And then almost, almost at exactly the same time, it's like, well, she's going to live, but she's going to lose her leg. So um, it was a weird mix of celebration and, and mourning. It's like, well, I'm mourning her lo- the loss of her leg with her, but I'm also celebrating the fact that she's alive. Right. And like, that's been the main thing that I've, I've tried to remind my sister throughout the process is, is, Hey, I know it's hard. I mean, she's she's as athletic as I am. We've always we've been competing against each other for our entire life, and um, you know, always going on adventures together. So I know that the loss of her leg was was tragic for her. I mean, it's one thing if somebody who works a desk job and likes to watch movies all the time and doesn't do things outdoors loses a leg, but it's a whole different thing if somebody who is putting that leg to every, using it for everything it's worth loses one. It was, it was a, it was a tragic loss. So, uh, but I've just constantly tried to remind her, Hey, I'm glad you're still here. I know it's hard. I know this is one of the hardest things you've ever, this is going to be the hardest thing you ever go through in your life, but I'm still glad I'm glad I still have you. You know, having never been through something like that, I wonder what it does to you and what you think. For instance, is there any part of you, I mean, let's be honest, not only is she an amazing athlete and it changes, it all changed in an instant. Like her entire life changed in an instant and she's so active. So going forward, there are going to be no easy days. I mean, every action, every moment, everything is going to be a challenge. Did you ever find yourself, because the mind, you can't always control what you think, you try to, but did you ever think to yourself, you know, Maybe if she had passed and gone to a different place, there wouldn't be this struggle. Or did you immediately go to this default thing of you're still here? That's the thing. Uh, yeah. I mean, my, I told her, Hey, I know, I know there's times when you're going to think about this and you're going to think it would have been easier to be up, be up in heaven right now, slapping high fives with Jesus hanging out. You know, there, there's certainly, uh, that aspect of it. And that I think is, is one of the hardest things for amputees or people who are disabled from accidents in general is just this 
instantaneous change of life. It's it's one thing if you uh, get sick and you feel it coming on or somebody prepares you for it, but it's a whole different thing if there's one moment of impact that changes your entire life forever because it's, it's hard not to play that what-if game. Like, what if we hadn't gone paddleboarding that night? What if those people hadn't... Uh, hadn't been in that situation being irresponsible the way they were. And it's so easy to blame the other people. Why me? Uh, well, yeah, why me? What, what, why, did it, why did we have to be in that exact space at that exact time? And um, for us, it's just we've just fallen back on our faith and said, hey, you know what? Whether we like it or not, everything, everything happens for a reason. And um, I, can, I can speak to that uh, through my journey, too. Um, I look back on the hard stuff that we've been, to, been through my uh, between my sister losing her leg and my wife losing her, her dad and um, just some of the hard personal times we've gone through. Um, I look back on it and I, and I have grown, maybe matured to an understanding like, would I have changed those things in the moment? Absolutely. But looking back on them now, I'm like, you know, I really can't say I'm not glad for those things because they have made me so much stronger. They've made me so much more prepared for those situations. And that might be the power that I was drawing on when I came down to landing a third run and having crashed on my first two. It's like, you, you can't say, I can't go back and say, if I hadn't had all those struggles and learned all of that perspective along the way, maybe I, maybe I wouldn't have been able to pull it off. Maybe not. I mean, you've lived an entire life and you're just 27. And, and to finish this thought on Christy, I mean, she, let's be honest about this. I mean, she is amazing. She not only came through this, but understand, she's a warrior. She's she an is, Air Force absolutely. captain. She returned to flying duty to become the first female amputee to ever accomplish that. Very clearly, she had a reason to keep grinding and striving and pushing. That was her mission. I know that you, maybe she leans on you and you play a role of reminding her, hey, we love you. We're happy you're here. That's the main thing. But what has she and her experience taught you? Yeah, she's she has changed the way that I look at the world because um, I think everybody feels like giving up sometimes everybody feels like it's too hard this can't be done and that that's where my sister has just always ignored that and uh she's ignored she ignored that in her life before uh before the accident and she's ignored it since everybody told her you know i mean one of the first things people told her was you'll never fly again one of the one of the first things like people told her is you'll never dance again i'm sorry this is really tragic and i just want to tell you up front these are the things that you're never going to be able to do again and our goal our goal as as siblings is how many of those things that people told you you can't do, can we do? And, you know, within months of her accident, we were skydiving. I mean, and within, like, almost the same amount of time that it takes to, to recover from, like, an ACL reconstruction, she was out there skiing again. And so, um, that like, that tenacity is 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 really infectious. I mean, it's, it's affected my life. It has. It has made me, first of all, appreciate what I have so much more because it, you know, when you're caught up in the grind and um, especially the position that I'm in where the position that I was in uh, during the interim years going from between Sochi and here, um, I was getting dropped by sponsors. I was having people, you know, tell me, oh, man, your career is kind of winding down. What are you going to do next? And uh, I, it's easy when you're in those situations to get jaded about it and be like, man, like I, things aren't going my way. But instead of instead of doing that, she has always been like, I, I don't care whether things are going my way or not. I'm going to do what I can to enjoy this. And so it's just changed the way that I approach the world. Yeah, I wonder also, to, to your point, though, you suffered some devastating injuries, devastating injuries, and you were dealing with all these things 
off the mountain with your family. And as you point out, sponsors are starting to leave. And all of a sudden, it's not so easy. And you're not winning. And you're trying to get back, but you're kind of separated between these two things. Like, I'm, de- I'm taking care of my family. I want to take care of my business. Things are not going well, and I'm busted up physically. What was your mindset at that time? What got you through that time? Yeah, I mean, you kind of you're going to you're going to fight whether it's now or 10 years from now or 50 years from now at some point in your life you're going to run into times when things aren't going your way um business wise family wise socially whatever it's there's going to come a time when uh sponsors aren't supporting you there's going to come a time when you know you you're struggling to pay the mortgage or whatever it is and um what i kind of realized is at the end of the day, none of those things matter. None of those things really matter to me as much as my family does. None of those things really matter to me as much as being a good husband, being a good father. And so that kind of empowered me to get through those times is, um, it doesn't really, you know, like I really wish that these sponsors would see me for who I am and know like, it's a long-term bet, man. It's not, it's not one year at a time anymore. We're doing this Olympic cycle is every four years. And I try to remind them like when they were, when they were pulling the plug and saying, you know what, this contract is out. Uh, I, I try to remind them, Hey, like I'm here. Don't I'm here give up good. on me. Yeah. Don't give up on me. You, you've seen the, you've seen the history, you know who I am. Uh, but if they're not going to support me, I know my family is, and my family did. And also, uh, I think it comes down to the fact that like, my family's contentment isn't based around my success either. Uh, and so my wife being a good example of that, my daughter being a good example of that, uh, realizing that they were content, even if daddy doesn't succeed in what I'm doing. Um, they're just content to be part of my crew, part of, part of the journey, uh, really empowered me. It really just freed me up. It's, there's no stress when, when you're not, when you're not worried about if you're going to succeed or not, then you, then you can just go out there and enjoy it. You can go out there and, and, and just be, be present. It's, be it's part of who you are, but it's not who you are. It's not your entire yeah, identity. Hey, listen, I, I, I mean, I don't want to hit on these really tough things and these negative things, but the fact of the matter is you've been through so much. If the family is that important, if it's about your wife and your kids, and clearly it is, you go back to the spring of 2016 and you were in Norway and you get a call from Alexandra that Molokai, who's about a year and a half at this point, your son, stops breathing, he's convulsing, he's turning blue. Again, I got to ask the question, you're on the other side of the world and you get a phone call like that. How are you supposed to process that? <laughs> yeah, you tell me, man. It's right. uh, it I I almost feel like nothing, no emergency we've ever had as a family my wife and I has ever happened when I'm home. Hmm. I mean, it's just like life has been so hard on my wife while I'm gone. Uh, and yeah, I don't know how I don't, that it was a similar situation to what I dealt with with Christie's leg is like, I don't know how to support you. I guess I'll just pray, you know, I, I'll just pray that this goes well. I'll pray that I'll pray that Malachi gets through this. And, um, yeah, man, you just, you just learn to, to appreciate the things you have so much more. Nobody wants to be in that situation. Nobody wants to, um, wonder like what's going I mean I, I had no idea she really had no idea what was going on turns out it was it was kind of uh something that's a little bit more common than we realized he just had spiked a fever really bad and gone into a seizure but I mean my wife the way she describes it he's literally turning blue his eyes are rolling back in his head and he's convulsing I would have thought he was dying too I mean that that that's where your mind automatically goes so um yeah it was it was that was one of that was one of many things and and I think that uh 
things like that in life happen tend to happen in like waves. It's like it's like when you go surfing and you go out there and you just get hit by a wave and then by the time you get up for air, there's another wave. You get slammed and again. And then you get slammed again and then you're tomahawking through the bubbles and then you get your head out of the water and you get hit by another wave. And that's what that time in my life was like. Uh, but going back to what I was saying earlier, I, I wouldn't change any of those things because they, they enabled me to, to be where I am. They made me stronger. They, it's a cliche, but what doesn't kill you does make you stronger. Well, and this is obviously evidence of that. I mean, there's even more that we can get into. But the bottom line, and Alexander, as you point out so many times, you're not here when this happens. How did the two of you get through all of this? And how important did your faith play in this? Yeah, she, <clears throat> my wife is the most like astounding, just warrior personality that I know. She truly, um, I, I don't think that we could have gotten, I, I don't think that I could have gotten through all of the things that we've gotten through with anybody else. She truly has, uh, if anything, even in those difficult situations, she's used them as an opportunity to build me up instead of focusing on herself and saying, oh, you're not here for me. If you had been here, things would have been different and focusing on the things that I can't control and she can't control. She just said, hey, we're going to do the best we can as a family and we're going to get through this. We're going to see the other side. And, um, so her, her gifts, uh, and our faith, like it, it really has been the foundation for us. We just going back to what I said at the beginning, like we're, I'm not here to glorify myself. I'm here to glorify a God that created us and she feels the same way. And, and that really just enables us to, to be who we are. So then everything, knowing everything you've been through, what's it like to be standing on that podium with a gold medal around your neck to have your daughter and your son run over and stand right there with you on the podium. It was an amazing picture to see. What did it feel like? <laughs> that was that was certainly probably the, the highlight of my life so far it was not only uh, doing what I had set out to accomplish professionally. Um, I, that was, I, had, I had literally done everything that I had hoped to do, and that was great. But um, it would have been a little bit bittersweet not to have my family there with me because they are such a part of that journey. Most of the time, we, society focuses on the, the headliner. They focus on the star. They focus on the guy in the spotlight. But they don't realize how much of the story has to do with the people in the background. I really could not have done this without my wife. I really could not have done this without the support of my kids. And I did it for them. So to have them there standing up on the podium with me, I mean, I'm sure we broke some rules there. I'm sure the kids aren't allowed on the podium at the Olympics. But uh, it was so worth it to me because that truly was who it was about. All right. So in above, above and beyond that, well, there is nothing above and beyond that. That's as good as it gets. I think you know that already, even at your age. But you're also a proud member of Tattoo Nation. Before <laughs> I get into some of the other ink, I want to know about the matching tattoo you got with Alex, your teammate Alex <laughs> Ferreira in Seoul. Well, you guys, you got this done between the qualifiers and the finals. What did you guys get? Uh, yeah, we, so I had, I had kind of had this idea that I wanted to get a tattoo in Korea. I like the idea of like getting, of, of, getting something permanent that that marks things that happen in your life and um so with all the things that i had been through just making the team for me was a lifetime accomplishment and i was like man i want to i want to like i want to put a stamp on this somehow uh and so alex and i mentioned the idea to alex we were we were in seoul getting ready for opening ceremonies we had a couple of extra days uh with not a lot to do and he was like, and I was like, hey, I'm thinking about getting a tattoo. And he was really interested in the idea. He's like, yeah, that sounds cool. You like, should. We made it. 
And, uh, and so I asked him if he wanted to do it, if he wanted to get one too. And he was like, yeah. And so we started looking around for things, uh, to get, I had been kind of, I had been kind of thinking about it for a while and we were just walking around and we saw this, the, the Pyeongchang logo, the, uh, the Olympic logo. And it just, it looked cool. And we looked at the meaning and the meaning was pretty, uh, was pretty solid. And we were like, yeah, that's, that's cool. So let's get it. So I got the, uh, yeah, the Pyeongchang logo. Let's see it. Pretty big here on the back of my arm. And yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> I made fun of Alex after the, after the fact, after the contest was over, cause, uh, he got it. Uh, he got his in red. I got mine in black. He got his in red, but he got it just a little bit smaller than mine. Sure. Not much smaller. And I was like, man, you set the tone. You got a second place <laughs> tattoo. It's the best. So, That's great. You got the silver medal of yeah, tattoos too, bro. Silver tattoo. So you good. Gone that is really funny. I mean, it was, I don't have ink, so I don't know, but I, I would imagine it's got to heal up. Any concern that that thing was going to heal up before the gold medal run? I mean, you got that a couple of days before the day. Uh, no, I mean, whatever, you know, right? We're, yeah, we're, we're action sports guys. Like, <laughs> and, and I get this question all the time. Dude, that's too. the bronze medal questions. I just yeah. hit you with man. Just let's, let's strike that from the record. Yeah, <laughs> no, there it's people are always asking me, Oh, like, do you, you, cause I play sports in the off season. I play softball and soccer and football and stuff. And people are like, Oh, don't your contracts prohibit you from that? <laughs> and the reality is my sport is more dangerous than any other sport I can play. So I think, I think the sponsors just kind of understand <laughs> that's so awesome. the same thing with the tattoo. Yeah. Like, if I was a worrywart, then maybe I would have been like stressed out about getting an infection or something. But I was just like, nah. like I said, that was a stupid question. I retract that. You know, listen, I got to ask you on some level. I mean, let's be real now. On some level, you may not have even had the most memorable run in the pipe in South Korea. It could go to Elizabeth Swaney. I got to know, what do you make of her making her way down the pipe the way she did? What does the best half pipe skier in the entire world think when he sees that? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, you know. I guess the the, the thing about, that's interesting about that whole situation for me is that uh, to us it was nothing new. Um, I'm not sure if she was in Sochi or not. You guys can fact check me on that later. But um, I know that I've I've been I've seen her and known her for a really long time, and she's this this isn't a new thing. So it was just that it happened to get picked up by the right person who wrote about it, and then other people wrote about it, and then all of a sudden it was getting major attention. For us, it was nothing new. Like we were just kind of. Well, I was you honestly, knew already. I was honestly surprised that it got so much attention. It wasn't like we were really surprised. And she's not the only one who 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 went around uh, went went around the standard Olympic qualification process. The reality is, uh, making the Olympic team in the especially in my sport from the U.S. There's four spots, and uh, probably the top six guys in the world, or you know, guys six out of the guys six out of the top twelve in the world are Americans. So you're going to, you're going to leave two guys at home, the fourth, the fifth and sixth place guys who could potentially be on the podium on game day. And so the qualification process is super tough. And so we've seen a lot of guys both in slope style and half pipe and big air for snowboarding, uh, kind of go around the qualification system. Maybe they have dual citizenship, uh, whatever it is, and they qualify it from another country and go. So this is not, this is not abnormal for us. Uh, what I will say is, um, Elizabeth, like she takes more flack than anybody for what she does. And I certainly couldn't do it. That's, that's not in my personality. Um, I think people who have watched me compete long enough know that I pretty much go for, I go for victory. I don't go for second place or third place or 10th place. It's, I'm not there. I'm not there to participate. I'm there to try to change the game. And so it wouldn't work for me personally to, to do that. But she's, she had, she had to ride this 
train for a long time to get there. And so some, you can say what you want about her talent or her skills on a pair of skis, but she has some tenacity just to get through it and just to, just to bear up, bear with all the flack. Yeah, right. I mean, I, there's something to it. So at the end of the day, do you respect it? I mean, she did it. She kind of gamed the system. She's there. She earned it in a different way. Or do you feel like, come on now, that's that's not what this is all about. And you took an opportunity from somebody who might have been more deserving or maybe might have even had a chance to hit the podium. Uh, no. So both. Yeah, I, I I certainly admire her grit and that she saw it through. And I'm happy for her. I mean, she she set a goal. It certainly was different than my goal, but she went. She was an Olympian too, and so I'm happy for her. Uh, but at the same time, I don't I don't think it um, I don't think it's real good for the sport. You know, I don't think it, I don't think it gets people excited about the sport to see that. And um, but at, but at the same time, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of fifty fifty on it because she didn't take a spot away from anybody else. She she. She took a spot that her country wasn't going to use anyway, so she didn't take any opportunity away from anybody. And it's not like they limited the field size because she qualified. Um, there's kind of, there's a little bit of a flex a flex zone there where it's whether it's 26 women who start or 28. Um, she yeah, so she didn't take anybody else's opportunity away. So I, I'm not upset about it from that perspective. But at the same time, I feel like it's the Olympics. You know, you should be at the top level to be competing. I see both sides. I see where you're going with that. Now, I'm looking at another tattoo, and it brings me to the next question. You're working this winter-summer thing. Mm. You're going to compete in the summer games. What are you going to do? Uh, yeah, well, I, I don't know if it's going to be summer games. Compound archery, compound bow archery is not in, in the summer games. Okay. Yeah, it may, it, it, there's potential that, that might get added. Uh, but I love shooting bows, man. I, one of my – actually, it was after my Olympic gold medal in Sochi. Uh, a friend of mine who's a, a professional archer – and Hunter, uh, Remy Warren gave me a bow and cause he kind of, I was talking to him and I was just telling him how crazy my life had been and how kind of overwhelmed I was with all the attention. And he was like, man, I feel like you're an outdoorsman like me. I feel like you would really enjoy shooting a bow, shooting a compound bow. And, um, my wife will tell you, I, it, it developed into a pretty serious addiction pretty fast. Um, just cause I loved the, like the way that you have to, um, be focused and, and, uh, and athletic about it almost, but it's, but you also have to be really calm and slow your heart rate down. So it was a little bit of, it was like a mental and physical challenge for me. So, uh, I've been getting really into shooting archery lately and, uh, starting this summer going and in, going into the future, I'm going to try to make a go at, uh, at professional archery on the target side of things. Well, knowing you, you're going to go all in on this too. I'm so <laughs> yeah. where does that leave you? I mean, do you walk off on this gold or do you ski again in 2022 or have you not decided where's your head at? I've decided I'm absolutely. Committed. You're in. Yeah, I'm in. I, uh, I, and, but if you had, if you had asked me that two years ago, right. I might've had a different answer. I might've said, Oh, I'm just going to get through Pyeongchang and then see. Uh, but now having gotten through Pyeongchang, I am, I'm all in. I'm, I'm really enjoying doing what I'm doing. And, uh, I feel like I have a rare gift in life that I get to do what I love and make money at it. So, um, to just give that up and just say, Oh, I'm kind of tired of this. I think would be, would be doing a disservice to everybody else who doesn't do, who doesn't have that opportunity. So sure. And I'm, I'm just having fun and, and I haven't, I haven't found the limit yet. I haven't found the limit of what I'm capable of doing. Maybe someday I will, and I'll be like, there it is. I found the limit. That's that's all I can do. That's all I'm capable of. That's all I can do with the body that I've been given and the uh, assets that I have. 
I haven't found that yet. So I, and I still have things, I still have things that I'm dreaming up. I mean, pretty much as soon as my run was over in Pyeongchang, I started thinking, all right, this is where I want this is what, ah, this is what I want to do next. So, uh, yeah, you can, you can look forward into hopefully following my journey to the next one. All right. So let me ask you this. And one final thought, I mean, given what you've been through, it's amazing to me that you are as positive as you are and listening to this conversation, I now have a sense of why that is, but, but I mean, you just, we all know people like that, right? There's always that one person in the group who never has a bad day, who's always happy, who's always upbeat, who's enthusiastic, who's energetic. Do you think, are people wired for that? Or can you choose to be happy? Can you choose to be joyous every single day? Is it a choice? I, I, I truly believe to my core that, that joy, contentment, uh, happiness, generosity, all of these things that, um, to me are the most valuable assets, humility. Uh, those are all choices. You can choose to be, you can choose to be grateful for the things that you do have. I think that that's one of the, the main problems in our society right now is we get caught up in this if then uh, mentality. Like if I get that car that I want, then I'll be happy. If I find uh, the right person for me and they make everything good, then I'll be happy. If I get a big house, if I get enough nice things, right? If, if then, uh, that's, that's where people are basing their happiness off. I mean, look at every romantic movie there is. It's like, oh, he was unhappy. He was discontent. And then he found the amazing girl and she solved all the problems. And now he's happy. That's not reality. The reality is you have to learn to choose happiness first and then you can enjoy those things. Cause if you're not happy before you have all those things, you're not going to be happy after. I mean, I know so many rich, discontent people. It's ridiculous. I mean, most of the rich people I know are discontent because they sought that they sought that, thinking it was an end when really it's just a means. It's just, I mean, for me, yeah, I, I feel like I got way more than I need. You know, I feel very, very fortunate. But, um, and I love, I, I enjoy the things that I have. I love going mountain biking. I love spending time in the wilderness. I love, uh, you know, buying my kids nice things and, and making them feel appreciated. But it's not the money or the things that make me happy. It's that I get to share those things with those people who matter to me. Uh, so I don't know. I kind of went on a rabbit trail there. No, but. dude, I love that. That's that's exactly what I was looking to see or hear. You know, when I was in college, I had this professor who said, hey, let me tell you kids, you kids something. A new bike is not going to change your life. A new bike is not going to make you feel better. And all I could think is, man, that is such bullshit. Believe me, a new bike is going to make my life much better. <laughs> much you know, better. The, the typical 18-year-old mindset, this guy was right. A new bike was not going to fix my life. A new car was not going to fix the life. A new house was not going to fix the life. The life. It's so true. If you're not content before these things, a shiny thing probably is not going to make it so much better. It'll be a temporary fix, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, sure. When you, the moment you sit on that new bike, it's going to be sweet. The moment you sit in the driver's seat of that new car and hit the, and hit the start button, it's going to be great. But all it is, is a mask. All you're doing is putting a bandaid on a bleeding wound and it, you can't like you eventually you can't ignore the bleeding wound and say, wow, I'm still not content or happy with, with where I'm at. So before I cut you loose, you've got a kid's book coming out. That's going to drop this month, right? What's it yeah. about? Yeah. It's uh it's actually kind of a fable uh, about some of the things I've been talking about, how I, how, um, I was so caught up in seeking glory and, uh, trying to be the absolute best skier who ever existed and that I was missing a lot of the things around me. And then my wife walked into my life and, and kind of changed my perspective. And I, I realized how fortunate I was, uh, it's called very bear and the butterfly and the bear represents me. Cause that's my wife. That was always my wife's nickname for me, uh, when we were first dating and my nickname for her was butterfly because I felt like she walked around the room without touching the ground. She was always just floating around. And, um, 
so the story started with, it started out as a daddy story that I would tell to my daughter, Nayeli, uh, when we would be traveling or whatever, we'd forget, we'd forget to bring books or we, or she'd be bored of the books that we had. I would just make up stories on the spot. I mean, endless stories. And I've always been kind of, I've always been a big reader. I love stories. So I would just make up the most absurd stories sometimes, but this one very bear and the butterfly, she really clung on to like for, it just resonated with her for, and so she would always ask for that one. And so it got more and more elaborate with each telling. And then one day she asked me, daddy, why isn't that a book? Why isn't, why isn't your story a book? And I said, and I, and it, it was kind of one of those great questions where I was like, yeah, why isn't it? <laughs> why isn't it? So uh, it was another thing that it's it's another thing on the on the long list of things that I tried to do, and I'm honestly surprised that it worked out. It's like, oh yeah, I'll try. I'll write it down. I'll see if somebody wants to illustrate it. I'll try to find a publisher, and all of the things work. Kind of like kind of like my journey to the Olympics. I'll try to make the Olympic team, and I'll try to put together a run that can win if I land it. And, but I never had the expectation that it was going to. I always said, I'd love that. To, I'd love for that to happen. Same thing with this book. Um, I just feel really fortunate. This this publishing company heard about heard my story, heard about my dream and said, hey, I want to make this happen. So we want to make this happen. So uh, the publishing company's Children Leading Children. Uh, you can check out their website. You can also find the book on my website, mrdavidwise.com. And uh, yeah, check it out. It's, it's, uh, it's, a fun, it's a fun book. It's a good, uh, it's a good age. It's, it's kind of a book. I wrote it as a book that parents would read to their kids, but it's also uh, reader friendly enough that like a 10, 10 or 11, 12 year old could read it themselves too. And the illustrations are absolutely fire. Um, this guy, the guy who did this tattoo here, Harry Lau, he's a tattoo artist out of Portland. And so he did the illustrations and he's got that raw edgy uh, tattoo style to his drawings. So that's when I, when I approached him, I kind of wanted it to be not just a typical kid's book. I wanted it to be, like I said, a fable about my life and, and me meeting my, my wife, but also I wanted it to be, to be a little bit edgy. I wanted it to be a kind of an action sports children's book. So you guys can check that it's out. It's consistent with the brand. Fire. Like I said, David Wise, so much more than a dude on a couple of skis. If you enjoyed this conversation, do me a solid. Hit me and him on Twitter with your thoughts. I'm at Jim Rome. He's at Mr. David Wise. Appreciate the feedback as always. And remember, there are a ton of different ways to connect between podcast episodes. My radio program airs daily on CBS Sports Radio. Also now on Channel 213 on Sirius. Channel 201 on XM. Also, it's on every stream app there is plus jimrome.com so if you don't have the show or know someone living in a market that doesn't carry it do me a favor spread the word about satellite radio the jungle is now officially in space and we're also on tv for you direct tv customers check out our simulcast on cbs sports network channel 221 or if you have dish the show is on channel 158 remember we want to get you to these places so hit me up if you need any help whatsoever that's it for F27. We'll be back with another one next week. Make sure you check it out. Thank you for listening. See you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 